Let's pray. In the last verse of Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, Hosea 2, our first reading, is, I would suggest, not a good choice of passage to read on Mothering Sunday because it begins, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, and so on. And it goes on about how this is a woman with an adulterous twinkle in her eye and unfaithfulness in her heart and so on. It would be a brave preacher who took on the task of preaching on this passage on Mothering Sunday. Of course, as as we go on, we learn there are consequences for her. She will be stripped bare. And for her children, they will not be loved. And so on. You might turn to page 1040 if you uh, want to find a bit more detail. Uh, There's a bit more graphic detail that I'm going to skirt over. Verse 5 says this. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She she said, I will go after my lovers who give me food and water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. So, without being risque, I chose, because web searches can be difficult when you choose the wrong, when you enter the wrong thing in your search engine, so don't, I would suggest... But I chose a picture that captures a bit of this. Shall we have it? Here we go. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing terribly risque. I, on the, on what I've chosen anyway. A woman chasing after her lover. This was Hosea's personal experience. But his writing makes the point that he's not just writing about his own personal experience, he's writing to make this point about Israel, about God's people. God taught Hosea that his personal experience with his unfaithful wife was like God's experience with his unfaithful people. That was what Hosea learned, and that was the message that he transmitted to those around Instead of staying faithful to their God who loved them, then the people had done this. They chased after other lovers. They left God Almighty, who'd rescued them, and they were tempted by the gods of the Canaanites, the Baals. There's lots of texts over a long period of Old Testament history that we talked about last week. If this sermon was a movie, there would be ominous music playing at this point because they made bad decisions they've gone wandering off and you and you realize straight away sometimes you you kind of know what's going to happen before it happens when you watch a movie or a tv program anyway a bit of knowledge of the old testament suggests that there will indeed be consequences just ahead israel found uh, uh, or they faced really a bit of natural poetic justice. They, 
the woman, Israel, gets a dose of her own medicine. She's destitute, she's cheapened, she's degraded, and she's in want. And all of that is true of the nation of Israel. The woman, Goma, finds that, but it's really about the whole of Israel. Before there's good news in the long term, there'll be a lot of punishment and suffering in the short term. It's often the case in life. Good news in the long term, but we have to wait. Let's have a look at our next picture. It's really a, a picture that shows what we've got in... Ooh, something... Well, anyway, ima, ima, imagine there's this picture in, up, up there of... Uh, the, the chair that is in Westminster Abbey that uh, successive monarchs of this country have sat on down the ages, and we've just got a pale imitation of that. You'll have to imagine that this chair is Mary's chair in Westminster Abbey, where the kings and queens of England have sat. Um, the question for the Israelites, really, is who was on the throne of their lives? Was it God? Or was it the Baals? Or maybe, was it themselves? And I think that is kind of a question for all of us. It's tempting, I suppose, to think, oh, those silly Israelites, uh, they didn't realize the folly of what they were doing. Didn't they realize that where it was going to lead to consequences and so on? Is that, is that chair showing yet? No. Oh, well, never mind. we have to imagine that. Uh, the next one's about a couple of pieces of glass. There's a window and a mirror. Sometimes we act as if we were just... look When we're reading the Old Testament, we act as if we were looking through the window at a bit, just a bit of history, looking out at someone else. But actually, of course, the glass isn't just a window that we're looking through. The glass is a mirror... Uh, it's showing us something about ourselves. The dethroning of God as king is uh, not so remote from our experience as it might seem. It's not locked in this book in history a long time ago. We too, in the 2020s, pushed God off the throne that should rightfully be his. And I suppose there are, uh, I started jotting a few things down in my notebook and I got to at least eight uh, different ways that we do this. Uh, and I'm not going to inflict all of those on you. I, I just chose four. First one is attributing to God, we're not attributing to God things that should be attributed to him. And we construct things like nature. I had a, a picture of a lovely scene which I do not, you're not going to see this morning. Uh, we have a wonderful natural world. And there's a lot to there to thank our creator God for. But all too easily we replace God with some sort of impersonal construct like nature. We say, oh, nature, isn't nature wonderful? And so on. And we might think about some David Attenborough programs and so on. But if you, if you doubt 
that we push God out of the way and uh, just listen to the language on some of those nature programs. It's all about nature this, nature that, and so on. Sometimes, never mind nature, moving on, we sometimes think about fate. I've heard people talk about fate. Oh, it's, um, something was clearly meant to be, and so on. You could say, I suppose, that thinking about fate is the theology of Doris Day. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, etc. Um, whatever will be, will be. Uh, the future is not ours to see, etc. Um, but sometimes we think there should be a picture up here of a, of a person facing choice to go right, choice to go left, and it's not sort of, oh well, it doesn't matter, pick and choose, toss a coin. Uh, sometimes we behave if it's like that, but actually sometimes God's word tells us that there's a right way to go and a wrong way to go. So God should stay central. Of course there are ups and downs in life and that's part of what Doris Day I suppose was singing about. Um, but um, one of the great things about being a Christian is walking with God through those ups and downs, uh, not getting distracted. The third thing I chose uh, was actually um, astrology. Uh, so saying it's all in the stars, and I had a nice picture of uh, some of the signs of the zodiac and all that kind of thing that I was going to put up here. But sometimes we think of ourselves as rational, educated, sophisticated people. Um, and yet, some of the things that we read suggest that's not always the case. Some of the publications reveal that they, they, they devote quite a lot of space to horoscopes and so on and linking our personalities and choices and circumstances just to what's in the stars. We don't link them to God in any way, but we link them to our, the date of our birthday, whenever that might have been. And, of course, and the last thing I've chosen was that um, sometimes a lot of people stop believing in God altogether. They don't just push him aside. They sort of, if you like, just turn overthrown altogether, just turn it upside down. I'm not going to do that because the other one, we had two of these, and the other one's already broken, so this is probably a bit delicate, so I'm not going to be rough with it this morning. But some people make that choice to stop believing in God altogether, sometimes quietly, sometimes very noisily, and we've seen some of this in the media and so on. Either way, God is well and truly off the throne, they think. Now, as Christians, we're called to uh, respect people's points of view, and we should always be respectful to other people who have views that we don't, but we should also be ready to explain, the Bible says, why we believe that they are profoundly in error. Hosea tells us about something different 
and better. And you'll have to imagine a light bulb uh, moment of realization going on uh, at this point. I love that phrase in the, uh, the prodigal son. When Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, he came to his senses. He kind of twigged. He realized what was going on. In Hosea, the wife realizes and says this, I'll go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. That's from 700 years before Jesus, but that's very similar to the, the realization that the prodigal son had. I mean, he's a bit more at length, of course, and um, he says, how many of my, my, my dad's hired men uh, are, are better off, so I'll, I'll go back home. He has said, he said to his dad, of course, uh, that actually he said something really harsh. He said, I wish you're, you were dead. I want my cash now. And then, of course, he went off and blew his share of wood, what would have been his inheritance. He blew it in what uh, this bit of the, in the, the verses that we read uh, tactfully summarize as wild living. His big brother spells it out a bit later in the chapter, what wild living consisted of. Anyway, he's ended up feeding pigs. Just imagine how degrading that must have been to a Jew who thought pigs were unclean. His job is feeding the pigs. And he's so hungry that he'd like to eat what the pigs are eating. Now I said last Sunday that uh, Hosea points forward to Jesus. So it's really not surprising that there's this gap of all these years. And yet somehow there's something similar being said about God in Hosea and later on by Jesus. Hosea's wife Gomer and the prodigal son have that very similar moment of realizing, hence this light bulb, uh, the light going on. They have that very, they realize where they'd be better off. So what I want to end with is this. Hey, they've got the pictures alive again. Gomer and Hosea are reconciled in chapter 3. Just read on one chapter from what, we were, what we've been looking at today, and we see that they are reconciled. Remember last Sunday, one of the things I did was summarize the whole book of, of Hosea in four words. God loves the unlovely. The thr whole thrust of the book is about how God do doesn't go back on the marriage vows that he has made to his people. What Gomer and the prodigal son have in common is that the love doesn't come from them. Look at these two pictures for a minute. Look at the, the picture on the left, the husband looking at, with his wife. Look at the love, the tenderness in his eyes. Look at the way he's, he's looking at her. She's clearly precious to him. And the picture on the right, uh, the, the, the the, the elder brother is sort of leaning 
annoyedly on a tree in the background. But the dad, look at him, he's come running down that path. And he's looking for his son. And he's just so pleased that his son has come home. So the loving looks don't come from the, don't, actually don't come from the wife. And don't come from the son. But they come from the husband and the father. And the God is saying in, this, in Hosea, he's like the husband. As he says, Jesus says later on, he's like the dad in the story of the prodigal son. His love, God's love, is unlimited. It's unstoppable. So however far we wander, he wants us back. Even if we've pushed him off the throne, even if we've completely overturned the throne and stopped believing him, altogether then uh, whatever we've done even if we've done some terrible things actually he wants us back God wants you whatever you've done to be reconciled to him he wants to welcome you with open arms with that in mind let's pray Thank you, Lord, that you are like the husband in that picture on the left there, with tenderness in your eyes. Even when we wander, you want us back. Even if we go off far afield like the prodigal son did in that other picture, then you want us back and you run to greet us. Very undignified, that. You could have stayed far afield and waited for us to endure a bit of shame, but you didn't. You ran down the street. The father in that story that Jesus told ran down the path and saw his son far off, turning the standards of the world upside down. Lord, sorry for the times then when we have wandered off, either like Goma, Hosea's wife, or like the prodigal son. Sorry for the times when we've been like the elder son in that painting that we saw, just staying in the background, seething, leaning on the tree. We pray, please, that you are open our eyes. Help us to join in that and be a cause of that wonderful celebration. Help us to be faithful to you. Knowing that you are like that loving husband, that loving father. Help us to walk with you through all the ups and downs of life. In Jesus' name. Amen.